Welcome to Radar. This program can be heard at thevinyldistrict.com or anywhere fine podcasts are found. Here is your host, Evan Toth. Some musicians just can't help but be inspired by everything. Everywhere they look, they see a little something that triggers musical thoughts. Every song they hear pushes them to pick up a guitar or sit down at that piano and craft something of their own. Steve Lewis is one of those guys, and a few times during this interview, you'll hear me compare his latest release, Exit to Mystery, with the experience of going through an old forgotten box of records, or maybe flipping around the car radio in search of something to tap the steering wheel to. The new record features a little bit of everything. There's chunky rock and roll, a few country-tinged tracks, some threads of gospel, and even a tip of the cap to modern pop. Through it all, however, it's all Steve Lewis, whoever Steve Lewis chooses to be on that song, at least. Our conversation explores how the pandemic gave him the time he finally needed to get the album he'd been hoping to produce done. We also discuss a few key tracks and look at the future. If you're a musical maverick, someone who doesn't mind going through that proverbial box of records and throwing what looks good on the turntable, then stay tuned and consider exploring Steve Lewis's Exit to Mystery. How you doing, Steve? Welcome to the program. Thanks. Great to be here. You got it. Where are you joining doing, me from today? I'm doing great. Enjoying the holidays. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, Nashville, Tennessee. And where are you from originally? Uh, originally from Birmingham, Alabama. I spent a lot of time in New York and then moved to Nashville in about 2012. All right. So you're uh, you're kind of a, uh, a a Southern guy. You kind of you got that Southern thing going on a little bit, huh? Yeah, you could say so. <laughs> I uh, one of the things I thought about when I was listening to your newest record, which is called "Exit to Mystery." Exit to Mystery. I like it. it's like a film, uh, film noir uh, title, something like that. But um, listening to your album was kind of like going through a box of old forty-five records from the sixties and seventies, and you seem to try on slightly different popular music styles and bring your own spin to them, of course. But maybe you could tell our audience a little bit about the different sounds uh, that they can expect on the record, and maybe. Uh, the influences that came to you uh, to to create those songs yeah well um you know i've, I've done a lot of kind of exotic music avant-garde music in my day um this one i wanted to focus a little more on like some earnestness rather than irony and uh get some heartfelt things across and it still comes out the end of the pipe sounding kind of wacky and uh avant-garde in a way uh but um Mostly uh, straight ahead rock songs, a lot of guitar riffs, um, a little bit of uh, 50s and 40s influence like jump, jump blues and, uh, you know, great American songbook sensibilities are there in kind of a similar way that like it's reimagined by, say, Tom Waits, J.D. McPherson, people like that who are, you know, pulling on the old, old rock and, and blues. And uh, so that that element is in there um and then sometimes it gets a little funky gets a little 70s uh you know my guitar tones tend to be on the uh i guess people call them retro but you know everybody uses them now so it's not like you know nobody's trying to sound like pantera anymore except pantera but um right. you know so i like the warmth i like the uh I, I like the solidity of uh the analog sounds and that's what we go for when we're recording 
Cool. Yeah, I love those chunky guitar sounds you got there. And as I said, um, it's almost like flipping around a, a random box of records. There's a, a couple of different styles on every every few tracks, but one of the th- one of the styles mm-hmm. that you do have is that sort of chunky chugging uh, uh, rock style, which I really love. Those are really great. But but talk a little bit about some of your influences growing up. Maybe maybe they're southern influences, or maybe not. Um, you know, just a. I don't know. I keep coming back to this concept of a box of records. What did you listen to? What did you collect? What was on the radio when you were growing up? Well, I'm never very far from the Beatles or from old blues in in my heart of hearts. Mm. But when you, um, you know, the Southern thing is tricky. Uh, Like I love Southern rock. I love Southern musicians and a lot of modern, more modern musicians who have grappled with the Southern thing, particularly drive by truckers, Jason Isbell, people like that who acknowledge the South. And I, I like that stuff. I don't tend to acknowledge any one geography and like lyrical um, construction. I <clears throat> I tend to be a little more broad with it, I guess. But, you know, also I think the Americana and the Southern roots are coming across musically more so than lyrically. Mm. And uh, growing up, I was all into CCR a lot. I was into Neil Young. Um, getting into Pixies and Radiohead, people like that. And, you know, for more modern folks, I like King Gizzard. I like uh, Ty Siegel. I like, um, you know, I, I like Tame Impala pretty good. And, you know, and then there's a lot of other genres I'm into. Uh, I'm into hip hop a lot. I'm into um, basically jazz and a little all over the map, as you might could tell from the record. But, uh, you know, it's it's a smorgasbord for sure. Yeah, it sounds that way, and I I love all kinds of uh, different kinds of music myself, and it's always it's fun, but it's also a lot of work. It's a lot of work to like all those different styles, and you know sometimes you feel like I can't turn it off. You know, I'm uh, I'm loving jazz, and then I'll turn yeah. around and uh, turn something else on. So tell us a little bit about um, you know the production of the album. This was another uh, a lot of folks that I'm talking to lately are all saying, well, it was during the pandemic that I started this thing, and uh, now it's mm-hmm. kind of coming to fruition. So a lot of these a lot of these uh projects are being uh, born at this time in the uh the end of the year 2023 i guess um and i guess yours was one of them why don't you tell everybody about sort yeah. of the process of putting this thing together well a lot of the writing happened in the pandemic um the production didn't really start until the pandemic was starting to kind of clear up a little bit um in 22 uh, and we recorded it at my spot here in Nashville, which is a uh, rehearsal slash recording studio and mixing room. And it was very tight. It's just the only people on the record are myself and the drummer Taylor Floreth, who's an excellent drummer, great friend of mine. And he plays with um, Wanda Jackson, Rich Ruth. He plays with all kind of great, great folks. And he's out on the road right now with Wheeler Walker Jr. Um, and he kills it. The, the, we were so pleased with the drums. We got we did the Glenn Johns technique of two overheads and one kick drum uh, mic, and basically that's the drum sound. And and it's very dry in my room, so we were able to get like a really good version of that. And we had all the levels we needed for you know the the snare was not lacking, the toms weren't lacking, which was great. Uh, I recorded all the bass and drum, uh, bass and guitars, and all the vocals. So it's you know fairly minimal on the personnel side but uh, i've made records that way before and and always enjoy the result people seem to like it so um 
you know, for the next project, we want to do something with more people involved just because, you know, the vibes and, and just generally the merriment of it all. Um, but we were really pleased with the way that turned out. And, you know, it wasn't so much a piecemeal effort as like the songs were already fully written. And, you know, I was, we were able to knock out the basics and then the overdubs pretty quickly. So it's like, uh, then the mixing came together, great mastering from uh, Sterling Sound, Justin Shirts at, at Sterling Sound. And so, yeah, uh, great artwork from uh, Matt Walker, AKA Hornets Hornets, who's a collage artist here in town, good friend of mine. And so, you know, it all, it all came together and, um, you know, we're still, we're still pushing it, but uh, it's a good little album in my humble opinion. Uh, Clean Up on Aisle Nine is another one that really caught my uh, caught my attention. It's one of my favorites on the album, and it's uh, oh, you know you. kind of what you're welcome. It's one of these uh, you know kind of country songs where the um, you know you find uh, you find sadness in an unexpected place, which I guess is a common place for sadness to to live. And in this case, it uh, it's haunting a, a, a fellow that works in a a grocery store. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that story. Did you ever work in a grocery well, store? I, I, I never did, but I had a lot of friends who did. But um, let me let me tell you, this this song came to me fully formed in a dream, almost. Hmm. I mean, the concept came in a dream, and it's um, a piggly wiggly. If you're back to the southern thing, right? Uh, if you're in the south, you know about piggly wiggly, which is a, a smallish chain of grocery stores. It's kind of dwindling now, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to say anything bad about the pig, but. Uh, in my dream, this manager of the grocery store is heartbroken and he sings into the uh, announcement. He sings the whole song very slowly and melancholy mm-hmm. into the uh, the intercom at the store, you know. And by the way, clean up on nine. Now, I don't know if the gag of that really comes across in the song, but uh, the way it came out, I, I was pretty pleased with. And, uh, you know, it's hard to tell if you're being subtle or not subtle at all sometimes. But uh, I think I think it gets across in... Um, yeah, it's it's a sad little piece, <clears throat> but it was nice to do something with a straight country vibe. Yeah, well, again, it reminded me of some of those country albums that I like, which in my world is maybe uh, later 70s uh, Jerry Lee Lewis records or something where he was uh, had gone full country. and He kills country. He's great. He's great. So- and um, I... Uh, you know, one of the fun things about country is even though a song may be sad or it has this, you know, morose uh, character or something bad has happened, you can sort of take solace in it. You know, it's like listening to the blues. You know, sometimes people say, I can't, mm-hmm. I don't want to listen to the blues because it's too depressing or something. But sometimes right. listening to that stuff can uplift you, um, maybe only through Absolutely. the fact that, you know, hey, somebody else feels this way or you, you know, you have a little comic angle on the, on the sadness and, you know, you can kind of relate. Um, you, you think about that oh yeah absolutely uh i mean sad songs are in every genre you know there's going to be a sad song and people people latch onto it you know yeah it's because you can identify with it uh, yeah you know, a little everybody's got a little sad something that that's sitting around in their brain that, that they haven't quite acknowledged yet you know right right um and uh you know, out for cigarettes is kind of another one that has that sort of desperate vibe. You know, um, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess that we could could I is it fair to say that's maybe a little bit of a theme on the album? There's sort of a there's sort of that uh, there's sort of a desperation there uh, thematically yeah. a little bit. It's alienation, and and you know, I think uh, out for cigarettes is a very old song of mine that um, never really got recorded, but it's you know 
it's more about feeling alienated. And then here we are in the pandemic feeling quite alienated from our friends, family, and or just society at, at large. And so th that's sort of where it found a home on the record because like between those two more country numbers, I, I think it's there, you know, sad, sad country songs. That, that's uh, the double payload. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have a favorite tune or uh, something, you know, that you came up with on this record that turned out really better than you thought it would have or uh, um, just anything? Well, that's, uh... it's hard to pick, pick your babies, but, yeah, uh, no. you know, I like, um, I like um, Tale of Woe a lot, the way that one came out. That song's been kicking around for a while, too. Um and we, I recorded a version of that with a bluegrass band at one point, and we pitched it to Levon Helm at one point when he was still with us. So it's a pretty old mm. song of mine. And, uh, but you know, he was all set for songs for that record. And, but, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of an outsider's perspective, a little less alienated, maybe a little more angry, uh, or frustrated. Um, I, and I think this version came together better than other iterations that have been floating around. Uh, I'm pretty proud of that one. And uh, I Was Moved is another one that I like a lot. It's just a straightforward song that came together with the rhythm section and the, and the track and everything. And, uh, you know, the song, the song sings itself, kind of. Mm, yeah and that's another one where you're kind of you know veering away from the you know you got the rock you got the country maybe that one's just a little uh, gospel kind of a a vibe it's a, a little bit of a different direction yeah yeah it's definitely got that kind of shuffly gospel vibe to it you know by the end of the album you've kind of returned uh to end on a on a pop note and it's a refreshing way to end the project at least to me and maybe tell us about that final song on there and how it's different from from the other tracks on the album maybe you said you have kind of a uh, a little different style that you're usually working in and maybe that creeps in a little there i don't know what do you think yeah this is um a little more pop and straightforward um it's um well timelines are really hot right now you know everything everywhere all at once loki the multiverse mm. everyone's talking about this timeline of that time and when people see bad things in the world they say oh this is the worst timeline you know on the internet there right right that. right yeah well it's like people never even talked in that concept a while ago so uh you know but but sci-fi heads know what it's about so you know this is about you can't go back and fix it in a time machine because it goes back too far basically what are you going to do you're going to go stop the big bang or something Right. stop all our suffering no it's like it won't work and, and it's it's but it's kind of an optimistic take on that it's like here's what we are we're stuck here we got to go forward we're going to do the thing and so that's why i like putting it at the, at the end because it's very peppy and kind of funky and and it you know ends on a higher note than some of these the more morbid ones mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah 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 so what are you thinking of doing with the record are you um do you play a lot or what's kind of your um you yeah, play live um, a lot uh, I, I play are? i play solo shows i i play with a band occasionally um you know i i do have a full-time job in the music industry so and and a family so it like makes it hard to really hit the road but we're we're booking stuff for the spring and uh, it should be uh, some stuff around the Southeast and mm -hmm. might do a run in New York uh, closer to the summer. Uh, Cause I still have a lot of buddies in New York and um, 
let's see, um, playing in a band called Downright, which is an older uh, band that I've been in for years and years with my partner, Matthew Devine from Birmingham. And so that's much more of a funk project. Uh, we're releasing some music this spring, um, playing some shows. So, you know, I'm trying to get my bandwidth where I can do this project, that project, and keep them rolling on a regular cadence, you know. So, you know, we're, we're trying to get the vinyl produced. Uh, it's, it's kind of in a holding pattern now, but, but I'm trying to get the 12-inch of uh, Exit to Mystery sometime soon. Mm. So, what do you do in the music industry, Steve? Uh, I work for Symphonic, which is a distributor, and uh, we're handling like thousands and thousands of clients, and um, it, it's a pretty great job, you know, and it's nice to be in Nashville mixing with the other industry folks, and, you know, it does, I am distributing Exit to Mystery through that, through Symphonic, so. I was just nice going to say, the vinyl the might not be ready, but you, but you got the distribution uh, down. Well, yeah, and we got some great vinyl folks too, Kevin Hopper, who's who's the man. But you know, kind of got to create the demand out there before we start plunking it in shops. So, you know, we'll do what we can. Um, but you know, I'm I'm in good hands on that that end. So, you know, I I'm really proud of the album and would like to preserve it with a run. Um, so we'll see, and I'll keep you posted for sure. Absolutely. And are you a vinyl guy? Do you still have your records or do you listen that way? Or oh yeah. Are you, uh, I listen yeah? a lot. It's, it's on, uh, it's on constantly on the turntable when I'm at home and, uh, you know, we're still streaming and all that too. It's, I'm, I'm not, uh, exclusively vinyl or anything, but, uh, right. you know, it's great to have, uh, you know, it's great to be in Nashville. A good friend of mine works at sun records. Who's doing like a whole lot of new vinyl of the classics and uh and new projects too with chris isaac and stuff so it's been great to to get some uh, copies of those and and hear what they're doing with like these big beautiful grooves and you know heavy vinyl and color designs and stuff on you know i, I mean i love sun records anyway but yeah. uh and then but they have a deep catalog going well into the 70s 80s and stuff that, that i didn't know about you know a lot of obscure uh, r&b and funk and stuff yeah, yeah, they kept going, and uh, I have some of those too. Every once in a while, I'll find one of those forty fives. I'm like, oh, you know, the the label's a little different, but it's still Sun Records, and uh, you know, there's yeah. some good there are some good tracks there for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think Phil, Sam Phillips was out at that point, but yeah, you know, sold, it was still he, interesting, and it was it was still being kept going by some good people. He got out of there, so I guess you could still record there, right? I mean, they I know that was that way several years ago. Uh, uh, people, yeah, were... like the new the new Jimmy Buffett is on Sun, and like, oh, you know, um, they're doing like they're proactively doing artists. I think Olivia Newton John before she passed did her last one on there. No kidding. And you know, it's a little bit of legacy artists, but but uh, they may be doing some stuff too with uh, younger artists. I'm not sure. Right. Well, cool. So, I mean, sounds like you, you're a busy guy. You got a lot of things going on. You got this record, you got a few other projects and, uh, you know, I, I wish you the best of luck. It's a really cool album. I look forward to, um, sharing it with everybody. And of course I look forward to seeing it on vinyl myself. And, um, I thank you so much for your time today, Steve. Thanks, Evan. I appreciate you doing it. Radar is produced by Evan Toth in partnership with the vinyl district. You can hear Radar on WFDU 89.1 FM or anytime online at thevinyldistrict.com.